success looks so easy from the outside, but all successful people have had to overcome enormous obstacles along the way. And in many cases, look failure right in the eye. Most successful people don't focus on the struggle and rarely do they talk about it because quite frankly, that's not what creates success. Join us here where we will chat with fierce female entrepreneurs and share the good, the bad, and the ugly of entrepreneurship and talk about the obstacles we have faced and how you can overcome them to reach the success that you desire. I am your host, Cami Lehman, and this is the She's Invincible Podcast. Hey everyone, thank you so much for joining us today on the She's Invincible podcast. I cannot wait to introduce you to this invincible one. Wally Miller is a financial coach and a self-proclaimed money nerd. She loves spreadsheets and has been known to watch PBS specials about retirement for fun. It's exactly the passion for all things money, including spending it, that put her on her path to her true calling, helping high achieving young professionals become work optional by taking control of their finances without sacrificing their lattes and brunches. Wally didn't start out as an expert. She is a first generation college graduate and daughter of an immigrant. She didn't always understand money or building wealth. She didn't grow up looking at stock charts with her dad or balancing the checkbook with her mom. They didn't talk about money much in her family. It took a Forbes article to make her reevaluate what she was spending money on and the true cost of her purchases. After that, Wally began listening to podcasts, reading personal finance books, and ingesting every bit of financial information she could find. And now she will be work optional by the age of 40 and is committed to putting as many people as possible on that same path to financial freedom through balance spending, saving, and wealth building without deprivation. Oh my gosh, like, oh, Wally, you are in the right place at the right time without, right? Without deprivation. I remember when we had our first conversation, I was like, do you feel like you really had to sacrifice a lot? Oh, I just, I can't wait to dig in. Cannot wait to dig in. Let's do it. I'm super excited for this conversation. And I think that that point is It's so important because when people think, oh, budgeting, oh, money management, you're going to tell me all of the things I cannot do. And it's the total opposite. It's about getting crystal clear about what's most important to you, what you value most, and making sure you spent lavishly on those things and cut out the things that just are causing budget leaks and wallet leaks um, that sometimes we become unaware of. Oh my gosh, this is so fun. Well, let's do this. Let's jump in. Let's tell our listeners how in the world did you get where you are today and what makes you invincible? Yeah, so I remember um, sort of crossing into um, adulthood and making good money, right? And that's all relative. But in my mind, good money meant I could pay my bills and I had some money left over to have fun with. And so I did exactly that. I was in my 20s and I ate out a little bit more, went shopping a little bit more, traveled more. 
Um, and I kind of stayed in that same cycle. I was able to stay out of credit card debt. I did have some student loans that I was paying down, but I felt like I was really good with money until the time came where I received my social security administration earnings statement. And this will come after a work history of about 10 years or so. Nowadays, you can go on the uh, government website. It's ssa.gov uh, and look at your earnings statement. But literally, it had every job and all the earnings I had throughout my career. So even that job that I had when I was 15 years old, that summer camp job, um, till present day. And when I added the total amount of money that I had made in my lifetime, I was shocked. I was like, where did all that money go? And that was sort of that realization that I had no idea what I was doing with money. I was missing some key component um, about really growing that. My savings account didn't reflect the amount of money that I had made in my 20s. And I that, that was sort of the, the, okay, something is wrong moment. Oh, what a wake up call. What a wake up call. So what did you do next? I know, you know, your, your degree was not in money, was it? Now it was, yeah, I remember this. <laughs> Tell yeah. us about that. It wasn't. I mean, I didn't learn, I don't know about you, but I didn't take any personal finance classes in high school or in college. So I didn't really know what I was supposed to be doing. And um, I had that moment. And even though it was sort of like, okay, this seems to be a problem, I still didn't know what to do about it. Um, and it just so happened, I saw a article pop up. It was a Forbes article talking about a couple who were able to retire in their 40s and travel the world. Now, traveling to me was something that was always uh, part of my budget and something that I enjoyed doing. But I couldn't imagine, like, how in the world did they do that? How, who, how do you live? Who pays your bills? Like, how do you pay for flights and travel and all this stuff? And so it was through that article that I realized that the component that I was missing wasn't necessarily just saving money. It was wealth building. It was investing. It was using the money, leveraging the money that I was making in order to build wealth for whatever financial milestone that I had. And it was at that point that I realized, okay, how do I do that? Because when I thought about investing, investing to me felt like gambling. What was the difference between investing in the stock market and going to Atlantic City or Las Vegas, right? I had right. no concept of how to invest or what that I would even look like. It felt very risky to me. I love it. I love it. So keep going with this story. So what did you do? How did you figure that out? So one of the things I think it doesn't matter where in the world you live, right? We all know that when it's harvest time, you want to make sure that you save for that time of drought, right? So when things are good, you want to set money aside for when things are bad. It doesn't matter where in the planet you live, but it can be very hard to do that if we don't have a goal associated with that. So if we don't have a strong, passionate reason why, that is important to us. It's like, what am I saving for? And so one of the things that I tell my clients as a financial coach is to make sure that you're crystal clear about what it is that you want. If you want to purchase a home, well, what does that home look like? Do you want a single family home? Do you want a condo? Do you want to live in the city or do you want to live in 
on a farm somewhere? Do you want a two bedroom home or six bedroom house? And be very specific, right? We've all heard this term of SMART goals, right? Be very, very specific, have measurable goals so that you can uh, see that every time you're setting money aside. Perhaps one of your goals is to finally get out of credit card debt and to become debt free. Well, my question is why, right? Saying I just want zero balance on my credit card may not be strong enough, but if you can say the reason why I want to get rid of this payment is because I can use that money to fund my vacations. I can use that money to fund that home renovation. I can use that money to save for my kids' college fund. I can use that money to buy my freedom. And so getting very specific about what it is that you want your money to be doing for you is the number one thing. It can sound like we're focusing on calculations and math, but really that question is focusing on the mind. And I like to say it's really mind over the math. Figure out what it is that you want, design the life that you want, and then just use money as a tool in order to accomplish that. And that was what I did. I realized that although I enjoyed my nine to five, I had a very fulfilling career. I felt um, as though I, I had found the perfect job for me. I didn't know if I wanted to do that same thing for the next 20 or 30 years. And knowing, you know, I think we've all bought into this whole thing that, okay, you retire at 65. And it's like, well, who said that? Why 65? Why can't it be 60 or 55 or 45? Who made this rule that at the age of 65, or in my case, age 67, was retirement age? And I wanted to buck the trend and I needed to figure out how to do that. And so when I figured out, okay, what are my financial goals? What are the financial milestones that I want to hit? And then how long do I want to work? And so I like using this term work optional because even though we all understand retiring young or retiring early, I think the definition of retiring can sometimes seem like, oh, we're going to be sitting on a beach with a little umbrella drink. And that wasn't really what I wanted to do. I just wanted to have more control over who I spend my time with, what I spend my time doing, and have the freedom to do what I want when I wanted to do it. And in order to do that, I had to buy my freedom. I love it. Oh my gosh. Just for the record, I am the one who wants to sit on the beach with the drink with the umbrella. Okay. <laughs> that is okay. <laughs> I am the one. Okay. Let's bridge the gap here. So here you are, you have this epiphany, you figure out like, oh my gosh, I made all this money. I don't have a darn thing to show for it. At what point, like you, you realized about this investing and how important this was and about, you know, the wake up call about retirement, which I totally agree with you a hundred percent. That's such an old school method, right? There are people that have enough money today in their thirties that can retire. Uh, so tell us how, where were you and what was happening that made you decide like, oh, I can help other people. I should be a, a wealth coach or a financial coach. Yeah. So one of the things that I realized was, okay, saving money is great for those short-term goals, right? For those saving for a down payment, that home remodel, those travel plans that you have. So short-term goals and saving money in a regular savings account or a high yield savings account is a great start. 
But when we were thinking about those longer term goals, right? So maybe something that was going to happen five, 10, 15 years from now, saving money wasn't going to be enough. We needed to accelerate that process. And now when I talk about investing, I am a real estate investor. I'm a stock market investor. And the third type of investing is entrepreneurship, right? I think this is a, such a huge, powerful tool. And as an entrepreneur, now I see that, right? Because I definitely was a corporate girl. I was like, okay, I like my job. I like the stability. I like that income. I know what to expect. But there's so much power between using one two or all three of those methods, right? And now I will say that I have a slight preference, even though I'm an entrepreneur and even though I'm a real estate investor, I do have a slight preference for the stock market. And the reason for that is because it's one of the most passive and simplest ways to begin building wealth. The question that I usually get from people is like, okay, I wanna start investing, but I don't know how to start. What should I do? But really hidden under that question that they're asking is, what stock should I buy? How can I, you know, where should I invest? And really the question that I pose is, well, what's your goal? When are you going to need that money? Do you want that money in five years? Do you want that money in 10 years? Do you want that money sooner? And so that is going to determine sort of the avenue that you would choose um, for to, in, to invest. And one of the tools that, people will have, and this is whether you're an entrepreneur or a nine to fiver, right, is using retirement accounts in order to build wealth, right? So if you have a nine to five job, really focusing in on something like a 401k or 403b. But if you're a solopreneur, if you're an entrepreneur, there are um, accounts available to us there as well. So we can take a look to see whether or not we qualify for a Roth IRA or traditional IRA. Now, these things do not sound sexy. It's like, but wait a minute. I just want you to tell me, should I buy GameStop or like, okay, those things have, are, have a lot of risk and a lot of volatility. But if we can just focus on the things that are going to be consistent and that over the long term to have a, a, a history behind it, and we can look back and see what's happened in the past. It's not going to be a predictor of what's going to happen in the future, but it's a good indicator. And so when people begin to say, okay, I would like to begin to plan or design, how can I retire early? How can I really fund my own pension, right? Most of us don't even have pensions at jobs anymore. How can I fund my path to financial independence? And so first define what that means to you, right? So you mentioned, you're like, yes, I am one of those that I want to sit on the beach, right? For me, it was more about like, I want to do so many things, but I have to worry about how I'm paying my bills. And so if there's a way that I can take care of my necessities, right? Of all the things that I have to pay, like food and transportation and housing accommodations, whatever those things are, then I can have more flexibility to really focus on the things that I'm passionate about. And maybe it does generate money, but maybe it doesn't. And that would be okay because my lifestyle is being paid by something else. And so if we can really figure out what it is that we want, and then what is the time horizon? It can be really simple for me to say, okay, well, if you save 10% of your income, you're going to have to save for the next 30 years. But what about if you save 15%? or 20 or 30 or 
what would that look like? And how quickly could you accelerate that journey to financial independence? I love it. Compound, right? <laughs> and, and it's not double, right? Double doesn't mean double. Double can mean quadruple, right? So it, yeah, I think that's so important. So there are a couple of things you said. Uh, one thing I want to bring up was you said about uh, high yield savings. So what, in your opinion, would you say that looks like today? What would What is your like favorite high yield savings, uh, uh, whatever company group, yeah. So um, there's a website. There's a couple of websites. You can check on nerdwallet.com or bankrate.com. These are really great for comparing uh, the, the rate of return or the interest rate on savings accounts. Now, here's a little tip. Unfortunately, the big banks like Bank of America, Chase, Wells Fargo, they have the most abysmal savings interest rates right now. They just do. Where if you go, if you choose an online bank like Ally Bank or Marcus by Goldman Sachs, these are banks that they may not have a brick and mortar or don't have many brick and mortars. They tend to offer a higher interest rates. And that is that is what we mean by a high yield savings account. Now, there was a point in time where uh, savings accounts did have interest rates of four and five percent. Right now, interest rates are about 1%. So it's not all that great. And But this is also proof of why saving money for short-term goals for when you're going to need that money in the short term is really good. But can you imagine trying to save your way to retirement? Earning a 1% interest rate isn't going to get you there very fast, very quickly, right? Um, you began to talk about compound interest. And here's a rule, or here's some back of the napkin math. There's something called the rule of 72. And this will help you determine how quickly you can double your money. So when we think about earning a 1% interest rate, it will take 72 years for that money to double. So if you have $1,000 today, and it's earning 1% interest, it would take 72 years to double. However, here's the good thing. If you have an account that earns an interest rate of 5% or 8% or 10%, you're slashing that in half. You can get it as quickly. That money can double as quickly as five, six, seven, 10 years, right? Instead of 72. So it'll depend on your interest rate. Now, the question you might have is, well, what account is giving me a 7% interest, right? What, 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 where in the world can I find a 10% interest? And this is where I circle back to, um, in order to build wealth and to accelerate that journey, you have to find avenues. You have to find investments that will return that. And so, for example, when we think about real estate, you, there's different ways to, to invest in real estate. There's commercial properties, there's short-term properties like Airbnbs. There's also residential, right? So you can have like a, a family, a single family home that now you're renting out or an apartment or a couple of apartments. So there's different ways to do that. The one thing that I think people shy away from, or not even shy away from, but it's the reality. In order to get into real estate, the barrier to entry can be kind of high, Right. If you're going the traditional route, you would need to get a down payment for that rental property. And it can take a while to save that money up. We're in the stock market today. This wasn't the case 
you know, uh, maybe even a decade ago, but today you can begin investing with as little as $25. And where do you get a return of seven, eight and 9% to stock market? Last year in the middle of a pandemic or even in 2020, right? In 2020, the stock market on average returned, okay, listen to this, 20%, okay, 20%. In 2021, it was 26%. Now, right now in 2022, the stock market has been down. So right now it's been down, but we still have how many more months left for the end of the year? And so we know that the history of the stock market over the long term, right? So this is not investing today to take your money out tomorrow, but over the long term, the average of that the stock market returns is about an average of 9%. And so now we know that, yes, there's going to be some years where it returns 20%. There's going to be some years that it returns 2%. But on average, over the long term, you're going to get a 10, 9 to 10% return on your money. I think that's amazing, too, because it, you, when the stock market drops or crashes even, right, blows up, explodes, it's just every, you know, everybody that has a lot of stock is like, ah. Right. But here's the thing, like what you're saying is they're still making more money than they would make anywhere else. Right. So their their money is still more valuable and increasing uh, and gaining interest and, and, you know, um, expanding more than anywhere else they could have it at that time. So it might not be the average 20 or 25%, but it's still more even in crashing, which, oh my gosh, you know, that puts it in perspective. So do you have a, uh, something that you could say would be like your favorite stock or the one that you see right now that's the hottest one? If somebody had a little bit of money that might be, and I mean, listen, we're not giving you financial advice here. I'm curious. I want to know. Guys, do your own research if you're listening. Yes, for sure. But tell us what what are you seeing out there that you're like, I would put my money here. Okay, so I'm going to let you in into my portfolio. The bulk of my portfolio is in something called index funds. And here's what an index fund is. Instead of trying to think of what is the next best hot pick stock or what is the next best company that is going to grow 500%, right? Because if I knew that, oh my goodness, if anyone knew that, right? We just don't know. There's some indicators, right? But we honestly don't know because guess who makes up the market? Us, we do, right? And so we can imagine that if tomorrow every single iPhone decided to catch on fire, would the value of Apple stock go up or down, right? right? If tomorrow we heard that all of Amazon packages were, you know, being delayed by a month, is the value of that stock going to go up or down, right? So we are the pe- we as a people, as a population, uh, decide what where the market goes. And you know, I don't know about you, but us people were very emotional, and so I don't want to rely on us people. So how I decide how I invest. And like I said, about, I would say 85% of my portfolio is in something called index fund. And instead of trying to decide on whether or not I'm going to buy this or that, I'm going to buy a 
basket of companies. I'm going to buy a basket of different investments that will have some stocks in the tech sector, some stocks in the healthcare, some stocks in real estate, some stocks in communications. And so rather than trying to put all of my eggs into one basket or into one company, I'm going to create a basket or look for a basket that's already created that has a little bit of everything. Now, one of, there's sort of two more, most popular or two more popular options. One is called a total stock market index. And that index goes by the total value of the stock market. So it has every single company you can think of. The other one is something called the S&P 500. So we may have heard on the radio, on news, or seen this in headlines. The S&P 500 is up 2%. The S&P 500 is down half a percent. What does that mean? Well, the S&P 500 is simply an index that covers the top 500 companies in the United States. So when you're trying to think of what company should I buy in, well, wouldn't you want what the market has determined to be the top 500 companies. And guess what? If there's a company in there that begins to underperform, it gets taken out and it gets replaced. And so I'm going to give some ticker symbols here. And ticker symbols is just sort of the abbreviations. But if you just put this in your Google search bar and say, ticker VOO or VTI, these are two um index funds that a lot of people look into. One is the total stock market index and the other one is the S&P 500. And so if you're beginning to look at, okay, I want to begin investing, what should I do? Rather than trying to think of what company do I want to put all of my money in, which to me is very risky, I'm going to spread it out or I'm going to buy an index that has multiple different sectors, multiple different industries, multiple different companies. Because even if Apple is up today and Amazon is down today, guess what? I own both of them. <laughs> and so it is okay. Um, and here's another thing. If you have a retirement plan, you can purchase index funds or funds, mutual funds that follow something like the S&P 500 or the total stock market index as well. So that is sort of my tip, but I will say, you, every person is very different. This is not financial advice. I'm not a financial advisor, um, but I do like to make sure that when I work with my clients, they understand, they have that fundamental education about what is going on in the stock market. That is so great. Oh my gosh. This is like investing 101 right here. This is so good. Okay, another question for you. Uh, can you invest in those directly or do you need to go through a financial institution to manage these investments? Um, so, okay, in order to invest, you need to have a brokerage account. And so you need to have an account with a broker. So this is something like Vanguard, Fidelity, Charles Schwab, right? So you would just open up an account at one of these places. Now, once you have an account at one of these places, you can buy directly from them. Back in the day, you would have to pay every time you were going to make a, a transaction or a trade. If you were going to buy something, you would have to pay commissions. Most of these brokerage firms don't even charge that anymore. So you can really start with $25 and put all $25 with no commissions and fees 
um, associated with it into the stock or into the fund that you want to purchase. So yes, you will need to have an account, an investment account. Um, but once you have that investment account, you don't need a financial advisor. You don't need an investment banker in order to make those decisions. Now, I will caveat that make sure you do your research, right? Because you want to understand, you want to fully understand what it is that you're investing in. Um, and I know for me, it was very jargon filled. And that was why I started my financial coaching business. Because once I understood it, I read so many books, podcasts, blogs, went to course, took courses, webinars, all these different things. I was like, People don't talk like that. <laughs> Why are you making it so hard? And I want, I knew that the, my community, there wasn't a lot of people who looked like me, who sounded like me. I'm from the Bronx, <laughs> like I'm a Latina. There wasn't a lot of people in my circle who were reading this stuff. And I really wanted to make this uh, uh, something tangible that people could begin to, uh, could begin to, to achieve for, strive for, right? I wanted people to understand like this didn't have to be complicated. I even mentioned a couple of alphabet soup, IRAs, 401ks, right? It's like, what? I don't know. Um, but it doesn't have to be so jargon laced. It doesn't have to be so confusing. So if you are struggling, if you're like, okay, okay. I, what I got from today's episode is that saving money is good for things like vacations and my down payment. But if I want to invest for my co my kids' college fund, if I want to invest for my retirement, I need to start investing. Work with a financial coach. Work with a certified financial planner who will give you a holistic picture. And here's a, 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 the key thing. If you choose to work with a, a certified financial planner, make sure that they are fiduciary, which means that they have to put your best interest at hand, Okay. What does that mean? They can't sell you products because they're going to get the highest commission, even if it's a sucky product for you. They have to do what's best for you based on your goals, because there's some financial advisors who are not fiduciaries. And, you know, the type of people who can call themselves financial advisors can be really sketchy sometimes, you know, so really understand. And, you know, just like if you would interview a bunch of people to take care of your children, like your money <laughs> is really valuable. So interview as many people as you can, make sure you connect with them, make sure that they're gonna take the time. Cause I've worked with a financial planner early on and I realized I didn't have any money to manage. <laughs> I needed someone to sit down to help me set aside how I could build a budget and create a spending plan that was going to work for my life and begin to build wealth. I didn't have any wealth at the time. So when, you know, really understand what it is, who it is that you might need at this point in time. I love it. And you do that through your coaching business, right? Absolutely. I work one-on-one -on -one with my clients. Um, it's funny because I feel like every year I have sort of a, a theme of people. Last year, I, most of my clients were educators and lawyers. This year, I have a lot of people in the tech sector and nurses in the healthcare field. So <laughs> it's really weird um, how that sort of happened. But generally, I work with uh, professional women who have figured out, okay, I went to college, I got the good job. Now, what do I do with my money? Like, I need to figure this out. And so we start with really the mindset, right? Figuring out what it is that they want their life to look like. 
and then figuring out how we can use the money that they're earning, right? Leveraging the income that they're making right now in order to fund those goals, whether it is to quit their corporate job, to go into entrepreneurship full-time, or if it is to be a full, you know, stay at home mom, and I have to worry about retirement in the future because they're no longer bringing in the income. Like what are some of the goals um, and the, and the desires that they want um, to, to see happen, to, to come to fruition? I love it. Okay. So when we first talked, we had a conversation, we talked about your, your dad, and you had shared with me a story about, you know, once you started really figuring out all this money, building wealth and creating this financial security that you were able to help your dad. So I would love to speak about that for a few minutes about some of the things that others could do right now. So let's say they're in their late 50s, early 60s. They're not prepared. They haven't spent all these years investing and figuring it out. I know that you helped your dad do that. And I would love for you to share some of the things that those people could do right now to try to uh, make some kind of way so that they could have a, a more brighter financial future. Yeah, some of the steps are the same, right? Getting very clear and specific about what it is that you want and when you want it by, right? The second thing is figuring out what your money story is looking like right now. If you stayed on the same path between, you know, now and six months from now, what is your money going to look like? If you continue to do exactly what you're doing five years from now, in five years, what is that going to look like? My dad didn't have the opportunity to have workplaces where he had access to a 401k or a pension. So his only um, sort of source of income when he decided to retire was going to be social security. And I don't know about you, Cammie, but have you seen what social security income looks like, right? Um, if you have no other source, if you have other sources, if you don't have any other sources of income, right? Like it can really be stressful. Like how do you pay all of the things that you need to pay for? How do you pay for mortgage and rent and all of these things? So what my dad, what I learned through investing was, okay, it doesn't matter if you have $500 a month to set aside for investments or only 50. I knew that the market, if you invest in things like an index fund, right? We're not talking about individual companies. You don't have to be make, take on more risk than necessary. But as I was learning, I was like, okay, he has no retirement account. He doesn't need to depend on, a, on an employer, right? He can fund his own retirement account through an individual retirement account in IRA. And so we had to determine what was the best one for him. And that will depend on what are your tax, you know, uh, which type of uh, tax benefits do you want? Do you want to save on taxes now or do you want to save on taxes later? And so that was a decision that we made. And then he opened up his IRA and began to slowly put in money. Now, my dad was very afraid of this. And so he started with $100 a month, right? But once he started seeing that that $100 turned into 110 and 125, he was like, okay, what happens if I put $200? And then he slowly began increasing that. Now, one thing that my dad did, okay, and if you are from a certain generation or so, a certain cultural background is that we've all heard the whole putting money underneath the mattress for safekeeping. 
Oh my well, my gosh. dad didn't necessarily have money underneath the mattress, but he had money, not even in a savings account. He had money in a, sec- in a safe deposit box. Okay. That money was losing value every day, right? So there's something called inflation, at, you know, the basically, which means that the power of our dollar goes down, right? What you could purchase for a dollar last year is not the same <laughs> that um, it, you can't purchase the same amount of things for a dollar this year. And so once my dad began putting money aside into his retirement account, um, he was like, well, I have a couple thousand dollars sitting in a safety deposit box. Do you think that we can, you know, put that into the retirement account? And it was like, oh, my goodness. <laughs> yes. <laughs> you know, so he went into his, his the safety deposit ba- box, you know, put that money into his checking account and began investing that money as well. And today, my dad has over six figures of retirement and he didn't start at 45 or 55 right um and so making these small decisions about okay you don't have to be risky you don't have to take on you know you listen there is a way to invest where you're just gambling right and that is not what i prescribe to i don't think it's necessary with high risk comes high reward right so there are some people who will risk it all and maybe they are very successful at it, but maybe not. And that's just not something that I want to do. Um, So there is a way to be able to say, okay, even though I didn't start saving for retirement or investing for retirement when I was 25 or 35, there are things that you could do today to begin to uh, get closer to your goals so that when you decide to leave the workplace, whether that's to stop work completely to go part-time, to think of other ways to to make money, that you have a nest egg that can help you achieve what it is that you want. Oh my gosh, I love it. I love it. Thank you so much for clearing up and just being so specific and giving hope to these listeners who are in their 50s or early 60s that, that need to like catch up on this financial game. All right. Well, this has been so fun. Let's do this. Can we tell our listeners about your new boot camp that's coming out today? Yes. Okay. So this is, I'm super excited. As I mentioned, I work one-on-one with clients, but I also realize that sometimes people don't know whether what financial coaching is. Um, and I just want to help people get to their goals. And if your goal is to retire early, this bootcamp is for you. It's called Retire Early Bootcamp. Um, and it is uh, something we're going to go through three days of live training, okay, where I'm going to give you tangible steps. I, there's going to be homework every day <laughs> where you are going to take, uh, it's going to be a step-by-step process where I'm going to take you through the things that you need to do in order to design your work optional lifestyle, to design that early retirement, whether that is going to be in five years or whether that's going to be in 15 years, right? You get to decide when it is that you want to retire. And in the bootcamp, we're going to learn more about the, uh, investment or stock market 101, how we can do that. What are some of the accounts we need to choose? How do I open up the account? Which one do I choose? We're going to go through all of that. So it's a three-day workshop, um, all live training, Q&A, homework assignments. You're going to get access to a financial snapshot dashboard, which I'm super excited about. 
So if that sounds of interest to you, please, uh, you can visit me at financiallythriving.com or financiallythriving.com slash join. Perfect. Oh my gosh, this has been so amazing. I'm going to go look at that too. So, and for our listeners, just click the links in the show notes as you're listening right now, and it will take you right to this retire early bootcamp registration and to Wally. So you can reach out to her directly. So, you know, Wally on the She's Invincible podcast, we promise our listeners that we're going to bring them fierce female entrepreneurs. We're going to share their expert zone of genius, which you have done so great today. Thank you so much for bringing it all about money, creating wealth, investments, all the things. But, you know, we promised them also that we are going to pull back the curtain. We are going to share the good, the bad, and the ugly. Because, you see, as women are on their journey to success in entrepreneurship, they, they see how hard it is. But when you come out like this, you make it look so easy. So they think, you know, oh, it was so easy for her. She's so smart. She's got it all figured out. They have no idea the journey you took, the the falls you took, the obstacles that you had to overcome in order to, to enjoy the success that you have today. So this is our promise. And are you ready? Because we are going to pull back the curtain right now. Let's do this. Let's share your first story about the good. Let's tell them a story about the good or the great part of your journey to success. Yeah. So the good was that I was able to really stay out of credit card debt as I, um, you know, navigated my 20s. I was making good income and that sort of increased over time. Um, And what I realized was that my first financial circumstances at 28 didn't have to look the same at 29, that there were decisions that I could make in order to change that. And so I, that's kind of my takeaway and my advice for everyone is that where you are today doesn't have to be where you are six months or eight months from now, you can make those decisions. So learning how to really understand money, understand the power of compound interest and investing really helped me build that first $100,000 portfolio and then $250,000 and $350,000. So, um, and it didn't take that long, but I was dedicated to what I wanted, which was my freedom. I wanted my time freedom. Yeah. And I know in your bio, and I remember you and I having this conversation was that here you were making six figures and had nothing to show for it. And that was kind Mm -hmm. of your wake up call, if you will, to, to really start on that journey. So, so the best part was that whole, that first hundred thousand and then the next one, which I think is amazing. What did that feel like? I mean, I, I can only imagine that you were feeling like, you proved it to yourself, right? That this could be done. And then you ran that race to to see how far you could go, how fast, right? Yeah. And, you know, let's not forget, (laughs) like, I want to make sure people know, like my first job out of college, I was making $25,000 a year, right? And so it wasn't that I was making, because some people will leave from college and have that six figure. I was making 25,000. Then I moved to a job that was making 35,000. And the biggest leap was from 35,000 to 70,000, right? So 
it took me several years to grow into that, to negotiate my salary, which we could have a whole different conversation about, like knowing what your worth is and negotiating your value and negotiating your salary. So there were decisions that I made along the way. What I did was that as my salary increased, I also began to increase my expenses. I increased how much I was paying for rent. I upgraded my car. I began spending more money on food and going out and traveling. And so because I thought that's what I was supposed to do, right? I was like, I can afford it, right? Isn't this what that means, right? That I can now begin spending more money. So once I began making it and my leap to making my first hundred thousand dollars um in a salary i went from making ninety five thousand to a hundred thousand right so it wasn't even like that huge like making ninety five to a hundred thousand but it was at that point that i was like oh my goodness i'm making six figures and i'm essentially living paycheck to paycheck if i miss a paycheck i'm not going to be able to pay my bills And that was a place that i didn't want to be so the good (laughs) was being able to to earn a pretty decent amount. But the good really came when I learned how to maximize what I was making and learned how to say, you know what, I want to spend money on the things that I value most. Right now, what my bank accounts are saying that I value most is clothes and shoes. And that's not it at all. What I value most is travel. What I value most is my time, my independence. And so I want to put money aside to that. I love that. I, and I remember you made a statement and, you, and I don't remember exactly what it was, but it said something like your bank statement should reflect the values. Can, can you, do you know what I'm saying? So can you repeat that one out of your own Wally Miller words? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. What I teach my clients is value aligned spending, right? If you look at somebody's bank account, that is going to tell you what they value most, Right supposedly. So if you looked at my bank account statements, it was saying what I was showing was that I valued clothes and shoes the most, but that wasn't really what I valued most. What I valued most was traveling, spending time with my family, time freedom. And so I had to adjust how I was spending money to make sure that I was, it was aligning with, with the things that I was valuing most. And I think that's what so many of us need to do, right? Cause we don't even know where some of our money is going. We're like, Oh, I only, I pay bills. And I'm like, okay, after you pay bills, do you have money left over? Now, where's that money going? And is that really what you value most? Oh, I love that. All right. Let's talk about the bad. Tell us a story about the bad. All right. The bad, and I kind of alluded to it in the good, (laughs) which is that you can't out earn bad spending habits. You, there are people, and I know there's people in my life who make $40,000 and are saving way more based on their, how much money they make on a percentage of what they make than I was. Right. And so it's really about, focusing in on the things that we need to spend money on. And how how I like to sort of define it is there's these categories in our spending that can be really high ticket and it's food. I, I like to say we have to learn how to cut the fat and it's food, accommodation, transportation, and taxes. Okay. So F A T T. If you can focus on really reducing what you're spending on food, accommodations, which is like your living expenses, transportation, and taxes, 
then you will have more freedom in your budget to be able to save for those financial milestones and goals that you have. And I mentioned taxes because the, as you make more money, right, we get into higher tax brackets. And guess what? The IRS actually incentivizes those who save and invest for the future, right? So this is not, okay, how do I you know, quit paying less in taxes um, so I can spend more. This is how can you reduce your taxable income so that you can save for retirement, so that you can save for those goals, so that you can save for that long-term um, um, vision that you have for your life. And so if we can focus on those four areas, food, accommodation, transportation, and taxes, you're really going to move the needle. Because I'm sort of tired of hearing people say, cut out your $5 Starbucks. I'm sorry, even if you went to Starbucks 20 times in a month and spent $5 on Starbucks, like that is not going to move the needle as much as if you really focused in on those four areas. I love it. Well, those are your biggest expenses, right? And they're, exactly. they're necessities, like you can't go without mm -hmm. them. So, mm -hmm. all right, well, we're moving into the ugly. <laughs> And this is where you get to share your personal story, right? Of, of the, the ugly. So tell us about your ugly story. All right. So you've heard my journey, but there were some mistakes that I made along the way. And one of them was there was something called or something, you know, it's actually pretty popular. It's called a no spend challenge. And that's when you, for a specific amount of time, maybe it could be a weekend, seven days, 30 days, you say, okay, I am only going to spend money on X, Y, Z things. So I'm only going to spend money on food. I'm only going to spend money on, or groceries, right? I'm not going to eat out. I'm only going to spend money on my living costs. Um, so you get to determine the rules for your no spend challenge. And I decided to do a no spend challenge where I was only going to spend money on the essential things. I tried several times to do this and I failed every single time. And it felt very daunting to me, but it was also a realization. It wasn't that I was spending money on, you know, designer handbags. It was these little things that I was doing along the way. I would go to Target to pick up paper towels and toilet paper, and I would leave with home decor and journals and fancy pens, or I would go, you know, be on my way to put gas in the car. And all of a sudden I'm pulling over into, you know, TJ, J Max and Nordstrom Rack. And so it was decisions. Um, I, I realized how hard it was to like consciously not spend money. I was really a mindless spender. And so uh, I want to encourage everyone that if you find yourself in that place where you might be a little impulsive, right, there might be some mindless spending going on to really focus in on the things that you want, right? This isn't about never buying the, the, the extra pillows, right? This is not about never buying the things that you uh, want, want and even though it's not a need, but it's really getting um, understanding what your spending habits are, right? What are those spending triggers? Sometimes they can be emotional. Sometimes we spend because we're super excited. Sometimes we spend because we're depressed and sad. We had a bad day of work. So really understanding, okay, why do I feel like I need to spend money on X item? Do I really need this? Is this something that I'm going to value a week from now, a month from now, 
a year from now? And if the answer is no, then think, okay, if I don't spend $50 on this new blouse, where else could I be putting this $50 in that is going to get me closer to what I want? Can I put this towards my, you know, my new down payment, my home down payment fund? Can I put this into an investment account so that I can buy me one day less that I have to work on the back end? So really being intentional. Love it. Okay. Well, this has been so much fun. Uh, I do want to ask you, what makes you invincible? Wow. So I really love this question. And I think that I went from a place of feeling financially comfortable, right? To feeling financial security and going beyond that to financially thriving, the amount of freedom and liberty and peace that I feel when I know that I don't have to make everyday decisions anymore, or I don't have to think about money every single time I'm going to use money really brings a level of peace that I never thought was possible to know that I could go and decide to have dinner with my husband, whether it's at the Cheesecake Factory or at a five-star restaurant, and know that it's not going to put our future in jeopardy is an amazing feeling. To know that I can also help not only future generations, right, nieces, nephews, kids, things like that, but also past generations, right? Um, Whether it's helping my dad set up his own retirement account or being able to fund some additional help that perhaps parents who haven't prepared adequately for retirement, but I know it's not going to put my financial life in burden, uh, you know, uh, in burden. So I feel like I want that for everyone. I want everyone to feel empowered by their money and not stressed out. That is awesome. That in itself, that that last sentence is what makes you invincible is being empowered and empowering others with their money. And and that is invincibility because like you said, that gives you the freedom. You never have to think about it. Mm -hmm. I love it. Oh my gosh. Last question for you before we say goodbye is, okay, we're speaking to people today. They're listening to this. They haven't done anything. They're totally unprepared. Number one step, what should they do right now today that can make a positive impact in this financial future of theirs? I would say, don't be afraid to ask for help. Join the (laughs) Retire Early Bootcamp. It's less than $40, right? Like we spend that money on a week's worth (laughs) of Starbucks or eating out or lunch, right? Invest that $40 to learn the steps that you need to take. I'm sure we've all seen the Susie Orman PBS specials. We've heard this podcast and so many others, but if you're still sitting on the sidelines without making that move, you might need that help. Uh, It's just kind of with our fitness goals, right? There's so many free YouTube videos and free diet plans and things like that. Why is it that we still struggle? Because we don't have that support and accountability. So get the support and accountability so that you can take that next step. I love it. Well, thank you so much for being with us today, Wally. And to our listeners, I don't know where you are in your life or your business, but if you're face down on the ground right now, get back up, girl, get back up. You can do it. Tell them, Wally. That's exactly right. I mean, just imagine where you could be six months from now 
feeling peace, empowered, and have a plan for your future. Oh my gosh. Get back up, get back up and run, run and register for that workshop. You don't want to miss it. Hey, thanks so much for hanging out with us today. If you were inspired or learned something new, please subscribe to the podcast, give us a review and share us with your friends. For more information about me and how I can support you, please stop on over to my website at camilehman.com and book a free call with me. I'd love to meet you and learn more about how I can support you.